Mate, why is he so late like Arsenal? <laughs> they always arrive late, innit? <laughs> 90th minute, minute. Not even. Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 2. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Blue Ballers podcast. We got an hour of pure footballery on the cast today. I've got my brother with me. Say hello. Hello, hello. And it's a special episode because I've got <laughs> my best mate on the podcast to have a good chat about um, Arsenal with us. Vicar, say hello. Hi, guys. Good, good lad. <laughs> I'd imagine post-match, after a poor or average result, uh, you'd be upset like most of us are. I certainly was on Tuesday. Um, turn FIFA on and play against the same team, so Southampton. Switch it to amateur mode and win flipping 76-0. So now I've given you an outlet to air it all out verbally and... Maybe in a year from now, when Arsenal are flying at the top of the league, the Championship League, you can look back and say, oh, you know what? That wasn't too bad. Did you just say the Championship League? <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd start on a light note. Oh, OK. The Championship League. Yeah, OK. Yeah. This, this, is, this is how it's going to be for the whole, for the whole hour. <laughs> no, no. But to be fair, <laughs> I'm getting it all out at the start so that we don't have to keep going on about how horrendous it's been recently. But no, we'll get into it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to, before we kind of talk about the present, I wanted to get to know a bit about your background, your association with Arsenal, um, why Arsenal, what got you into Arsenal, what reassured you that this was going to be a choice that you make for the rest of your life with no regrets? Okay. Um, so I, I wasn't, I didn't really have much of a choice to begin with. Um, so I was born about five minutes away from the stadium. So I lived there for the first uh, 15 years of my life. Um, now, we didn't really have much of a choice in terms of who we supported because Arsenal was the closest club. And if you were Tottenham, you were basically going to get beaten up. So it was Arsenal or Dunwich <laughs> football. So um, I haven't really, I haven't really much of a choice. But luckily, the good thing was that when I first started properly watching football and getting into it was when Arsenal was sort of, quote unquote, in their prime with, so I saw like the, the glory days with Burkham, Pomri. Robert Perez and you know like the, the 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 near the invincibles time is probably just about when I started really getting into football. Yeah. So Wenger so kind of Wenger brought you into the, into football and that was all you knew at the time basically. Yeah, I I couldn't I probably at that point I probably couldn't even name you the first 11 of any other team in the league. All I knew was Arsenal 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 that's all I paid attention to. Yeah. I think that that was the same for most of us growing up as well, because there were in such a good moment, obviously like 96 was when Wenger came in and kind of transformed English football. Um, you know, we started to get to know the players as as they grew with uh, Wenger as well. Um, Thierry Henry to me will always be the guy that stands out when I think of um, strikers that not associated with my club, but who I thought were the greatest of all time. Guys like Henry and, and um, you know, Burkamp and all these guys. So, I mean, it's not a bad choice. Um, you know, a few years down the line, it's, you know, not obviously been the same as it used to be. Um, but I think that the kind of obvious question that I, I have nowadays is, um, you know, when when Wenger started to kind of, kind of go the other way and it started to get a bit tough for, for Arsenal fans, how do you kind of compare that to 
when Arsenal aren't doing so well now? Whether it's Emery or you know um, Arteta, like how do you how do you compare it? Do you feel better about? I don't want to, you know, kind of put a down on it, but do you feel better about losing now, or do you, or was it, did it hurt more when it was with with uh, Wenger? See, so, so for me, and and you, you may not, you may not agree with this, and I can completely understand why, but for me, it's sort of the, the evil that you know is is better in a way. So at least when we had Wenger, and he and he sort of towards the tail end, there was some sort of affection there still for him there was some sort of care still for him because he'd given us so many good moments over my lifetime I can name you 10 15 20 times where I've been ecstatic because Arsenal have done well or we've or we've done uh, or we've had a wicked performance or we've won something and all of those memories I can only attribute to Wenger so now the problem is but I, I to, to to make it sort of easier to understand so I also think that when he left it was his time to go I think he had given us all he could give and it was already starting to get a bit sort of um, bitter towards the end. So I think that he probably left just before it got a lot worse than it needed to. Now, in regards to these new managers that are coming in and they're not performing um, and, and they're sort of letting us down and we're not getting what we want from our team, I understand it's a process. I understand it's going to take time. I'm not expecting wonders overnight. It's just... I think for me that the biggest struggle at the moment is I don't see the direction that we're going in. Right. So okay. so on so on on a week to week basis. So sorry, I don't, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but on on, no, no, week, going. on on a week to week basis, I'm not sure what system we're playing. I'm not sure which players are going to be playing. Now you guys are both Chelsea fans, and we have friends. We have mutual friends that are United fans, Liverpool fans. Mm-hmm. They could pretty much tell you at least ten out of eleven of their starting of, of their starting team. I couldn't do that from week to week, and to me, that's that's insane. Like I understand a new manager comes in, he has to try different players out. He has to do this, he has to do that. But at this point, Arteta's been here for a year. He shouldn't still be testing out all eleven players. We should have at least seven or eight players, which we know these guys are going to be starting every week. Right. Okay, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think also when I think of um, Arsenal, where they are right now with their fan base, I think because it's they've they've kind of grown up on Wenger. That's why I kind of started it with your association with Arsenal. I think you've only known Wenger your whole life, so you've you've never really had to look beyond that for so long. And you know, as it as like you said, Chelsea fans, we we're used to ma- managers coming in doing a little something, hopefully winning a trophy. If they don't win, they're out. So we've gotten used to that now. And for us, it's not as important for us to know what is our next team going to be, but it is identifying where our weaknesses are. And if the manager doesn't address it, that's when we kind of lose it and we start to question. And this is why we had such a problem with with uh, uh, manager like Sari, manager like Vilesh Boash. Um, but I feel like with, with Arsenal, there is... Um, a lack of identity and I think you'd agree as well that there's there's no real um you know forward thinking direction and I think that's where where the confusion comes in and and when you compare that to what you had with Benga you very much knew what we what you were getting with Benga he might have changed the system here and there but you know you knew you were getting free-flowing football and towards the end obviously the last five six years you knew it, it, you know, you weren't you. You were a bit leaky in in your defense, but you knew that you were going to score goals, and he could sort of guarantee top four. Um, not towards the end, end, but I mean, certainly, you know, to a, you know during the the more difficult time. So you know, so ha- uh, what I wanted to kind of 
grasp is do you see Arteta as a manager that can grow into that sort of mold where you think um okay he knows what he's doing he's 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 um training these players to to perform um certain ways and and training their ability maybe to press maybe to um you know form a defensive shape or you know uh, get them to uh, you know position them properly do you see that direction going or or is it very much is is the is the um frustration very much with just the results right now i i i think that the the main aspect of what you just said and i think the most interesting question of 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 what you've just said or the most interesting statement of what you just brought up is does he know what he's doing right now yeah we all, he he says he does and he's made us believe he does right or he may, or that he did at least now what worries me is that we as a club I, i've so as far as i've known arsenal i can't speak from before i started properly getting to football before that we may have been completely different and i can't say i'm the most knowledgeable person before my time of, of what arsenal used to be like but during my time i do watch every game i do go to quite a lot of games i'm i'm quite engaged with the club now as far as i can remember back we've always been free flowing attacking football yes we've always let in goals we've never had a, we haven't had a great defense for 10 15 years probably maybe 15s is an exaggeration we haven't had a good defense for 10 years so i the, the the i've i've always expected us to sort of have that you know that argentina mentality where okay you can score two but we'll score three and that's so the top, way we've top top heavy basically top heavy and we've always always been top heavy and i accept that and that's been our downfall because we can't keep we can't keep the ball out of our goal but yeah but we're always a threat going the other way what worries me with arteta now is that it's sort of not going either way because yes we're a bit better defensively but at the same time there's nothing going forward right yeah. and what sort of alerts me more to that is i was reading something today and you know you just spoke about this you know this uh free uh, free flowing um uh, pressing system I'm pretty sure I read today we're the 16th or 17th uh, rank in the in the in the league for pressing. Right. So opponents are getting more time on the we're the we're 16th in number of how much time the opposition are getting on the ball. So who are we pressing? Where are we pressing from? Where is this because uh, I don't see it and I watch every game. So I feel like we're giving him blind faith. Also this is his first job. You know, if he's gone somewhere before and we've seen him start slowly and then he gets into it he gets his players and and then he and then he starts rocking and rolling no problem i understand but we he doesn't have that that resume so we're going on blind faith now that's difficult for me to do especially with the board that we have and the team that we have because need i don't feel like any side is pushing in a particular direction i feel like the players are happy just going week by week whether they lose they lose if they win they win it's weak mentalities the board also, I feel like they're not interested in winning the top trophies. All they're interested in is lining their pockets and making as much money as they can. Yeah. I understand it's a business, we'll, we'll, but we'll get, on, we'll get on to the board because I think that's a, that's a whole thing that I think is a real problem. Um, but I think with regards to Arteta itself, it's very um, you know what we talk about week in week out with with Lampard. It's so similar to kind of what you just said with with Arteta um, because I think you know young managers. And, you know, certainly managers with associations, personal associations with with clubs, um, there's such a kind of um, struggle with a balance between, um, you know, do I want to give him time because I I have a a personal affection towards him or do I actually see something that he can um, pull off as a manager and do it, you know, tactically, is he someone that I feel can take us forward? 
Um, and when you put Arteta and, and Lampard side by side, um, I think you can agree as well. Like, you know, there, there were moments last season where, where Arsenal did play really good football. Um, you know, they had they kind of formed this identity of being a defensive team because of the way he set them up uh, throughout the back and, and you know, what have you. But, um, you know, kind of with, with Lampard, where it's difficult because I feel personally our individuals are taking us forward. Um, and I think because of the club, the, t- the sort of club we are, it's not really manager centric. It's more um, having the quality on the pitch to, to, to win games and, you know, kind of achieve short term targets. Um, whereas I feel with Arsenal, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what, what's changed so much between the point that he came in and instilled so much confidence and bred so much confidence between, uh, you know, among the players and the fans. Um, and like I said, tactically, you know, you guys were, were very decent last season. You obviously won the FA Cup. Um, thanks for that, by the way. Um, but no problem. Yeah. So what I kind of, uh, you know, to, to put a, a positive spin on, on all of this, I, you know, I'll try my best. But I think you guys have some very decent players. And I think the quality um, of certain players that you have in, in certain positions is of a very high standard. Now, if you're looking up, You've got Leicester, Everton and Southampton in, in the top six. Now, granted, it probably won't end like that come the end of the season. So when you look at your team, you've got Thomas Partey, who's, for me, a world-class defensive midfielder who can also, you know, is technically good enough to, to um, join the attack or, or, you know, certainly contribute to, to the final third. Um, you've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is one of the best strikers in the league, um, you've got Bernard Leno, who's turned out to be a fantastic goalkeeper. Kieran Tierney, who I think is going to be one of the best left backs in the country soon. Um, you know, you've got Nicolas Pepe. Uh, I know, you know, Bellerin is is one of those that that splits the the fans. Um, so when it when you know push comes to shove, who do you think the blame rests with if um, Arsenal are not achieving the results that they need? Um, and what do you think that means for the future as well? Good question. So, I personally think everyone has a share of the blame, and I think within that, that's the biggest problem within itself. Because what happens is, is for example, if you have a very good manager and the players aren't performing, who then you can blame the players. But if you have a very, very good team, and then so for example, Chelsea, you guys have a really good team at the moment, right? So, and if you're not performing, then it's very easy to point the finger at Lampard because you're saying, okay, well, we've so the play, we you've got a wicked team but the manager can't get the tactics right. But the board has given you, the board has given him full faith and they said, who do you need? How much do you need? And when do you want it? And they've done that. Our problem is sort of, everything is very fragmented. It's like the, the, the legs don't know what the head is thinking. So what's happening is, is that the, I feel like, and again, I, I know I'm coming back onto the board again, but it's, it's in relation to the answer to your question, because I don't think it's just the players or just the manager or just even the board. I think it's a combination of all three things. I just think there's no direction. We don't know which way we're going in. Are we challenging for trophies? Are we happy to be just top four? Or are we just a cup team now? Or are we just a fashion company? Mm. We're just selling tracksuits. <laughs> so I, I don't think anybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, for me, on, from the outside, it's always felt like Arsenal are always a couple of players away from being quite a dangerous team. Because I think when you when you have the philosophy as a club of being an attack-minded team, um, 
you know, the attack will always take care of itself. But I think if you have a, a, a someone who can come in and, and say, okay, this defender will make, you know, this good and, and that defender will make that good, then, you know, that that kind of, um, the, 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 the fear of, of having another London team coming and, and kind of giving us a run for our money. And I know Arsenal have, have finished above us a couple of times in the last decade, but um, it always felt like Arsenal just didn't have that, 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 that extra leader or the person that could um, wake the players around them up because I think there's so much potential. And, and I said, I talked about, um, you know, looking up, there's Leicester, Everton, Southampton. Now they're nowhere near the, the level of club that Arsenal are. So, you know, to fulfill that potential, you need the right structure. And, and you were talking about the owners, which I'm going to get on in a sec. But where does where does the first fix need to be? What needs to be fixed before, you know, you can start saying, OK, we have the right person to identify the right player that will make us a better team? Because, you know, like I said, it's it's very difficult to... to um, discard Arsenal as a, as a big club. Maybe not, they're not getting the results. Maybe they've not won the big, big trophies. But there's always there, there's always the, the chance that there will be a spark, you know. And and I've not seen that in the last ten years. But there can certainly be that. But where is where will that come from, in your opinion? I think the 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 the, the quickest fix, maybe not the easiest, but the quickest fix would be is every, I don't know, this is something I noticed as, as an Arsenal fan, is that every season, and like you said, what you said was quite accurate, we're always one or two or three players away from challenging. Maybe not challenging for the league, but challenging for the top four at least. Um, the fact that challenging for the top four is now a thing is also beyond me, but that's completely separate because I don't see why we're all trying to compete for the top four. You should either be trying to win the league or nothing, I personally, but that, that's a whole separate issue within itself. But what we always say we're two or three players away from challenging for that top four place to get back into the Champions League. So now the thing is, every season we go out and sign, we always only get one key signing or one marquee signing and then the rest is just sort of filler or padding around it. It's sort of, we'll get players that we kind of need in a certain position, but not the exact one that we want. We'll go for the cheap cup, uh, budget option. So if that's the case, I I would rather the board just say, look guys, to the fans, Look, for the next, or the director of football even, doesn't have to be the board, whoever's taking care of this stuff, just says, look guys, I'm sorry, for the next three years, we're not going to sign anybody for any amount of money. It will just be loan signings and free agents. And then after that, in that after the third year, we're going to go and we'll buy four or five first team starters who are 50, 60 million pound players each because we've spent no money in the last three years. And then at that point, then we can jump a lot higher, a lot quicker, right? But that never happens. We always we always feel like we're just trickling a player in here and there. Or, you know, like we're having a marquee signing just to appease the fans so that the season tickets get renewed and fans start coming back and they don't start protesting and, and kicking up a fuss. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we signed Pepe um, last uh, last season. I think it was last season or the season before. I can't remember. Remind but me how much he cost now, again, sorry. This is the point, right? <laughs> so he was, he, was, he, he was 72 million. Now... I'll be completely honest, he's performed like maybe a thirty million pound player so far. Right? I hate saying but, it because I genuinely okay, I, had I have to I have to play uh, devil's advocate. He is a very talented player. Yeah. You and me both know he's a guy that's capable of scoring a lot of goals, um, being a very dangerous player coming off the right. Um he's obviously not being played as much as he should, in my opinion. Um, but I don't think you've got that wrong. This is what this is where my argument is. I think your recruitment is decent and I think you have the potential to be to have better recruits than say Leicester who are doing really well 
Um, but where where is that? Where's the problem? It, you know, because you have Stan Kroenke, who I know how Arsenal fans feel about him. Um, if people don't know, he's the, he's the, also the owner of the LA Rams, an NFL team. Um, but he doesn't seem to really show much of an interest. And, and we can have a, a longer discussion about them specifically. But in terms of pinpointing where it's going wrong, you know, primarily, in my opinion, that's where it is. There's there's lack of communication and there's lack of real passion from, from the top. So you're not really seeing it on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, but, but this this is again going back to what I said earlier, right? Like, what is the goal? Yeah. What What is it? I'd like to know what the goal is. But, you know, you have any business, you have... You start anything new, you always have a business plan. You have a mission statement. You have something, something so that everybody knows that they're moving in the same direction, which I think is basically what you were just, yeah. uh, what you were just trying to get yeah. to. But I don't know what that is. And I could speak to a lot of Arsenal fans and no one knows what that is. We get told random bits of information, but I don't actually know what the actual mission statement is. You speak to Man City, you speak to Liverpool owners or any fans, mm. They will tell you our goal is to win the league, win the Champions League every season, year in, year out, year in, year out, yeah. right? And that's okay. You don't have to win it every season. But as long as you're challenging you know, up and around the places. Now, you also said that our uh, recruitment hasn't been so bad. Now, tell me this. Who do you think is going to finish uh, in the first six places at the end of the season? Yeah, I think Leicester will probably finish there. Um, I'm not too sure about uh, Southampton. Everton could. Uh, you know, it's all injury dependent. Uh, but I think for me, Leicester's probably the only one that that is, for me, certain in the top six. Okay, so I, so I would go in no particular order: uh, Liverpool, City, uh, United, Chelsea. That's four. Spurs. Leicester five. Spurs six. Now that's in no particular order. Yeah. Right. Out of all of those six teams I've just mentioned, who do we have a better eleven then? Uh, probably. Um... Maybe Leicester at a push. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't even. I don't know how much I believe that within myself. I think maybe it's. I think there's probably better. At, at best case, it might be even. Yeah. But they have a manager who's been there for years and a manager who has tra- a track record and proven experience and knows how to manage a team. Mm. So how can our recruitment be that? How can our recruitment be good when we don't have a top six? We're we're, we're not the we're not the seventh biggest club in England. Mm. Re- Revenue wise, commercially, we're not. So why have we not even got the seventh best team? Even that six, there might even be a seventh. Everton might slightly, may, maybe, be on par with us. Yeah. And all, and uh, and we've spent more money than most of these teams, right? So I, I so I, that, that's where I maybe don't agree with your point of our recruitment is good because how can it be if we haven't got the sixth or seventh or eighth best best team in the league? Yeah. People are telling me our formation is a is uh is uh three uh three four three. I. Don't see it that way. To me, it looks like a five. Two, uh, it looks like a five-two-three, because the wing backs don't get far far enough up or often enough anyway. Then we've got the two in the middle who are both holding midfielders, and then we've got the three who are so far ahead of the of the two in the middle that that's what we're missing. We're missing that connection in between someone to flow the ball through. And then what's happening is is what we're realizing now is that Aubameyang is a bit of a confidence player, which I didn't know before this before this season, but. When he's scoring and when he's up for it and when he's getting good like good support and and he's in the mood for it, he'll get you goals. But when he's also in a slump, it, that that's going to continue. And we've seen that this season. But I also don't feel like I can blame him specifically because you're looking at the what chances he's getting. Any clear cut chances this season have been going to Lacazette or to Inketia. Mm. Okay. 
So you so you've got your best striker playing out on the left wing, which I completely understand, right? Because he's been playing well on the last two seasons, but he's not getting the ball. Yeah, it is difficult, and and it, I think this also goes back to kind of Arteta and where he is with with a team, and then you know above him is obviously the recruitment, and then the owners. And I think you know I I do want to end this on on a positive because I think we should you know kind of uh, do this more often and, and and discuss where Arsenal are at because it's such an interesting. Uh, club to to monitor because there is so much potential like I said but um, for certain reasons and certain elements it's just not getting to that next step there seems to be a bridge you know between every door that you that you want to open and you have to kind of rely on on players like Aubameyang to jump across and and open that door so um, you know papering over the cracks yeah or or, or, sorry or for example for Bellerin to be able to take a throw (laughs) that would be very helpful for the build for, for, for for build up in play or to be able to cross I mean ball. learning how to throw throw I mean uh, take a throw in you can put any of us in and you know if you if, if, give me a tenner a week I'll learn how to do a throw in um I know that must have been quite frustrating to to watch I can imagine um but if we had to end on a positive note what what is the kind of saving that what is the savior for you where where do you see there being a bit of light where you can think okay that's an area that we can um develop on maybe it's a it's a it's a formation, maybe it's a player, maybe it's uh, your coaching or your youth, um, or, you know, you, you have so many good young players coming through. You know, I want to talk about Bukayo Saka another time. I want to talk about uh, Balogun, all these guys. I, I know you guys have a really good, you know, as you always have, you've always had really good youth recruitment and, and been able to push uh, young players through. Um, you know, where where is it that, that you feel, okay, I can make my peace with Arsenal tonight, even if, if it's a bad result where what gives you you know the reason to keep going i think like you just mentioned i think we have a very good uh, crop of youth players coming up i'm uh, i'm very very happy and excited about martinelli saka's also been very very good um reese nelson who i wasn't massively keen on before is also looking better now joe willock looks good um i'm happy Tierney's not so young but i'm happy with 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 the purchase of him um Th- th- those are the highlights yeah. for me. What I also feel like an, an, an another another uh, something else that I'm looking at in a positive way is that rather than the last few years, I think our our recruitment to an extent looks like it's becoming more sensible. So what I will give to Arteta, and, and again, I'd like to just reiterate, I don't think I've said this yet, but I'm not Arteta in or Arteta mm-hmm. out. I'm not. I don't feel either way about it. I just want my team to do well. Whether that be with Arteta, fantastic. If it's without, then that's also okay. It just it, the team is more yeah. important. But what what I feel like is we've got some players in the right positions, and, and what we've been doing is the recruitment that we have done. For example, Party of the last few years, Party Tierney, um, William didn't make sense to me, but that's 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 a whole separate thing. Gabriel's been really really good at the back so far. I know he had an off game this week against Southampton, but aside from that, he's looked very positive. So what I, the one thing I will give Arteta is. He's realizing that for years and years we've needed a holding midfielder and we need a centre back, and he's plugged those yeah, holes. Absolutely. Now, what I'm hoping for is the board back him a little bit and say in January, you know what? Here's some funds. Go plug some more holes. Go buy your creative midfielder. Go buy a right back who can take a throw in, and then you know, then we're moving. Then we can move. We can move forward slightly. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, just taking it back as well. Arsenal have always been. Um, like we both said, a couple of players away from doing something decent and and you know making important moves, um, and yeah, hopefully it happens. Because you know, not having Arsenal in in the top half, 
forget the top four is <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a lonely place without you guys so hope it, it comes back to how it should be man it's trust me it's more lonely down here when people are telling us <laughs> we're in a relegation battle you're worried about brighton and them man <laughs> every game is now a six pointer <laughs> all right nice one all right cool we'll do this again though i want to there's so much more i want to talk about but um yeah that was our little segment with um also do you have any questions that you wanted to ask um i do have one uh you mentioned a creative midfielder and a right back that you'd like arsenal to get uh any mm-hmm. players that come to mind realistic uh, our, I, I think our is realistic okay uh, i also think lamptey is realistic okay you're gonna take our guy like that you I, know? I, I think I don't care whose guy it is. I'd be happy if he was our guy. But I, I, I genuinely think that would be a big, that there would be big inclusions to the team, um, and they're they're reasonable. I think they're affordable, and I think I'm not I'm not dreaming here. I'm when I'm, when when I when I'm thinking about those players joining the team. Yeah, I agree. They're they're realistic. Yeah, uh, that was that was the main main uh, question. Did you, did you get it right? Did you get the question right? I mean, there's no 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 answer. It's his opinion. <laughs> An open-ended question. That's why I asked it. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Well, that was that was good. That was fun. We'll definitely do it again. And uh, yeah, uh, come on, you Chelsea. Uh, I mean, Gooners. I mean, Chelsea. Gooners, Gooners. Right, Thank nice you, one, Thank, Say, you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. So let's just move move away from Arsenal for a sec, um, because I think given Arsenal all the clout that they need so far, um, I don't think they require any more. Uh, um, but yeah, let's talk about the, the game on Tuesday. We played Wolves. Um, uh, I think two days after, th- was it three days? Two days after we played at the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously not a great result. We lost two one, but you know, there, there was really nothing to really take away from that in a positive sense. It didn't feel like a game that um, we should have won or we should have lost. But in the end, like, I don't know, I feel like a, a bit of our old frailties came to the front. We didn't really perform the way we have been, you know, we, we've not been great lately, in fairness. But to give away, you know, a 1-0 lead, I thought was really poor and, you know, not the sign of a team that you'd associate with, you know, champions at the end of the season. Um, what were your thoughts on it? What, what did you think of it? Uh, All I quite agree with you, what you said earlier um earlier today where you know when we lost to Everton 1-0 it was a game where we fought and it was okay because they're you know they're a tough team it could have gone either way but with Wolves it was one where we really should be winning those kind of games and we just did not perform on the day so it's quite upsetting yeah I mean listen we, we put out a team that you know should be capable of of winning of scoring a goal and defending a lead we obviously went 1-0 up through through Giroud. It was a nice little goal, nice little setup by Chilwell. Um, you know, we, we did kind of create our chances, didn't really take them as, as usual. What's been happening the last few games was kind of representative in in what happened in the first, say, 50, 60 minutes. Um, but for some reason that the mentality just went that the you know, when we even when we when we when Wolves equalized, when we gave away the goal. It felt very much like we weren't really there to to win. It didn't feel like we were going to put the effort into, you know, nick a result or anything. But, you know, on the other hand, I saw Wolves and they just looked like they had the energy to, you know, they could sense, they could smell that that there's an opportunity. Um, And that's not a good sign, honestly. Like for a a team of our calibre, 
of our quality, it's really not good enough. And, you know, every week we, we do these things and we say, oh, our Chelsea Premier League winning material, do they have what it takes? To be honest, I don't think anyone has what it takes this season. I think, you know, Liverpool winning against Spurs was probably the most resilience I've seen, um, the most kind of winning mentality I've seen this season, uh, you know, not just against Spurs, but just generally as well. But like, I just feel it's another year where we're just letting it, letting opportunities slide and, you know, giving away opportunities to, to, uh, to win games. And, it, you know, I don't want it to become a trend, but how do you see, you know, the next few weeks going? Because we've got Arsenal coming, we've got West Ham next week. Um, so we've got some big games well, with coming the return up. of Callum Hudson Doy and Hakim Ziyech, I think that it's, I'm looking, it's a bit more hopeful. I think that we've, we'll have that creativity that we've been seriously, seriously lacking um, the past couple of games. Um, so, hope, you know, hopefully it, go, it gets much better. I think that Ziyech is, a, is, is quite, quite uh, pivotal in how well we can create these sort of chances. Um, earlier you said, you know, the, that we lacked the sort of um, the drive to win. I mean, I only saw it, I think, for the first uh, 10, 15 minutes since we came back uh, on in the second half. And then after we got the goal, it's just like everything was, uh, everything was just, you know, switched off. It, w- it wasn't the same then. So are we quite, I'm quite curious as to why that is. What is it that, you know, the players have in their minds after they score, you know, after a goal is scored and they're ahead, um, that they just switch off? Yeah. I was having this discussion with someone about Hakim Ziyech and, you know, it's so early still in the season and in their careers just generally. For Ziyech particularly, it, it's great that we have him, but I just feel, you know, we're, we're such a different team with him and without him and that's never a good thing. And, you know, we had Eden Hazard for so many years and we know what he was capable of doing. He could win games by himself and, you know, to his credit, like he, he used to win league titles by himself. You know, like, okay, the defence was great and we had Diego Costa or whatever, but you know that when Eden Hazard's in your team, you have a chance of winning every single time. And luckily for us, he was fit every single game. He was there. Every big game, he was there. Um, I think it was just that one season, which we don't need to speak too much about, you know, where he kind of went missing. But, you know, generally, I'm, I'm quite concerned that Ziyech is starting to become that player for us, where if we don't have him we struggle to find options, which is crazy, ridiculous, because we've just spent so much money on Timo Werner, on Kai Havertz. Um, you know, we have really good options in attack in midfield. We've got good fullbacks now, so they're, they're you know, adding to the to the attack as well. But is it concerning at all to you that we, you know, our reliance on Hakim Ziyech, or do you think we're not, you know, that reliant on him yet? I, mean, I saw or, from the beginning that, that? I, I felt that Hakim Ziyech would, be the, would make it so much easier to play the kind of football that we wanted to play. I had a feeling that um, Timo Werner, well, Kai Havertz in particular, he would need some time to really adjust. I didn't think that he would be able to do it straight away. Definitely not uh, three months, four months into it. Not the sort of level that, you know, he's been uh, he's been displaying when he was at Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Timo Werner, I think that I, I did kind of have a feeling that he would get to, into grip, get to grips with it because he came so early. Uh, in the summer, um, so it, it's been a bit weird f- in his case because he scored. He scored, I think, what eight goals has he scored so far? 
So he so he's managed to find uh, the net, yeah, he's but eight he's goals, just yeah, dropped yeah. off yeah. recently. So I think you know Frank needs to do the same thing he's been doing for all the other players, which is if you're not performing, you know, just stick to training, find your form, come back in when you're ready, you know, and you're ready to to play for the team at a high level. It's difficult really at this point to, you know, drop players like Timo Werner and, and Kai Havertz because they've been brought in for such big amounts, you know, 15 million upwards for both of them. Um, it's difficult for Lampard to justify that when, you know, we don't really have the options. Obviously, Callum Hudson-Odoi and, and um, Ziyech were injured, so it would be Christian Pulisic and who? You know, we, we don't have anyone um, that can, you know, naturally play those roles. We know Mason Mount can... Kai Havertz has, has tried to. I don't think he's. You know, I mean, if anything, he's been awful in the in the um, kind of right wing role. Um, so it's difficult to kind of pinpoint where exactly the replacements come in. Um, on the other hand, are we more? Are we a more effective team with Timo Werner up front? Absolutely. Um, you know, do we change the system to adapt to him? Can you see that sort of being our way out? Because we saw last season we changed, you know, to so many systems. We tried the four-two-three-one. We tried four-three-three. Um, we tried three-four-three. Um, I just felt, you know, on Tuesday we could have kind of adapted to our situation and not been over overly reliant on Timo Werner, who, in my opinion, is not great um, out wide. He's not a good. Um, he doesn't really have the intelligence to or the technical ability to pass and knock the ball around and get into more dangerous spaces. I think he's at his best when the ball is played forward to him and he can run onto it um, and kind of um, have the space to, to make those decisions. I don't think he's particularly um, a winger. Um, you know, if you compare him to the likes of Raheem Sterling or, or Sadio Mane, he certainly can't play to that level of, of pass, passability um, or dribbling ability where he can, you know, get the ball into a dangerous space. Do you think changing the system may help when we don't have players like Ziyech or, you know, Pulisic or... or You've Callum? just named uh, all of our wingers right there. So you can't play a system like that to begin with. Um, I don't even think it's necessarily about Timo Werner, but the situation we have right now, I mean, Pulisic, he's, you can't really depend on him even when he has just come back from injury uh, because he's just come back. And if, if he gets injured, then that's just going to make it even worse. So um, you have to change. How do you counter so those situations? You, have, um, you work on your strength. So I think we should have employed a wing back system again, because Reese James and Ben Chilwell are quite capable of, um, of attacking as well as defending. And uh, I think maybe a three, five, two would have been good because I've, I've said it, you know, before the start of the season, I think that Giroud and Werner would work really well together. But yeah, yeah potentially, yeah, a big man, little man like you have um, in Inter yeah. Milan with uh, Lukaku and Martinez. Yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, would you go to 5-3-2 or do you go 3-4-3? Three, three? How, how do you see, you know, kind of Lampard employing that system? And who plays in that, in that sense? Mm -hmm. So, say we take two strikers up front. Um, it's basically 3-5-2 or mm -hmm. it's... Five, three, two, whatever, whatever it is. Who plays so in the midfield I would have, in, that, um, in that sense? In the, as the uh, holding midfielder, I'd have N'Golo Kante. I'd keep him there, and then uh, besides him, I'd have uh, yeah. Mason Mount and uh, Mateo Kovacic. Um, 
I'm okay. just doing the yeah. I'm, I'm I'm counting all those places in my head. Um, yeah. So that would be my my midfield, and of course you have uh, Reese James and Ben Ben Chilwell as the right wing back and left wing back. Right. So how I mean, going forward, we there needs to be a way that we kind of counter these problems. Um, it was quite annoying because you know yeah. he persisted with with Werner out wide. Um, and it was clearly not working. It wasn't working in the first minute. It wasn't working in the last game. Yeah. It hasn't been working. He just doesn't play well over there. So, you know, if he continues to persist with this system, with those same players, that, you know, thinking that something might change, and we continue to lose, or we continue to get a poor result, um, where does that leave Lampard? Because here's we've got an owner who's just splashed out 200 plus million pounds on, on players. Um, you know, he's not... There's never, there's never been the expectation that we can go and win the league this season or the Champions League or a big trophy. But at the same time, you know, the danger of missing out on European football next season, I think, is very dangerous. And it puts Lampard in, in quite a pressure situation. Um, can you, do you, can you kind of see Lampard being the sort to change everything now? Because I think we've established that 4 3 3 is where he wants to build us, how he wants to build us. Um, you know, if it continues like this, how do you see how do you see it going in terms of his position? Do you think his position is under threat? Do you think you know if we drop to I don't know mid table or below mid table, do you see the board kind of get growing frustrated and and you know kind of starting to make plans for the next man, or do you think the um, club are just going to persist with firstly, it? Firstly, I don't think that it'll get to the point where he needs to make changes to what he has earlier the season because Hudson Odoi and Ziyech. Um, you know they've they've returned from their injury. But if, if if they were, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll stop you right there. I'll stop you right there because you say that, and then they'll play, and then they'll get injured again because that's what's been happening with Callum and, and Christian. They've both been getting injured every yeah. time they come back. They seem to play a couple of games and then they're out again. Mm-hmm. So we can't rely on them. We clearly can't rely on them. And if anything, we should potentially probably look at who we can bring in in, in in January because it's just, it's not possible. Either we change the system completely where, you know, we only go back to 4-3-3 yeah. when Callum and Pulisic are, are completely fit and ready to play or we go forward with this, you know, with, with a formation change. But just steering back, like, about Lampard's yeah, position, what, what do you think If we get to somewhere like mid-table, as you're saying, I can't see, I can't see the board allowing that to happen, you know, continue, letting it continue with, uh, with Frank, so... Do you think um, they sack him if he doesn't make top four this season? It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because it, it is dependent. You know, it, it it's dependent on how injured are the players. If it is anything that he could have done about it as such. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw another example at you. If you look at Liverpool, okay, they've got their front three. They don't have Van Dijk. They've missed Alisson for a few weeks, who's now back. Um, they've, they, had, they were without um, Trent, Alexander-Arnold for a few weeks. Um, Joe Gomez is injured out for the rest of the season Matip is in and out of the team so they've had to make do with Fabinho I even saw Henderson last game playing centre-back um, but they're yeah. getting results they're, they're top of the league they're getting results so where does that leave us? because th- I mean in that sense well, comparing, Frank doesn't really have a leg to stand you know, on Frank's position to one of to, to one of Klopp's where you know the players they've had time to build chemistry They've had time to play together. They've won stuff together. So I think that is not fair to, to really compare them to Liverpool, who are you know who are already ahead in the race to begin with. I mean, yeah, I understand that the injury problems 
they aren't even then then way worse for Liverpool. But I don't think that it's it's one you can really compare just because of how much they have already formed their play style and had the time to gel really. So to answer your question, I think that if we don't get Champions League Champions League spot for next season, I think he will be sacked. As um, I mean, this is just based off the idea that fine, we may have some injuries, not something which is completely, uh, you know, detrimental to the team where we can't even perform at all. Just, you know, standard uh, uncertainty. But if there is such a thing, but yeah, I think he will. Uh, if, we, if we don't make Champions League spot. Okay. Well, I'll go to the age-old question is, um, if we do sack him, mm-hmm. another week has gone by and, you know, there's always new opinions. Lucien Favre got sacked from Dortmund. He's obviously a very attack-minded manager. He's worked in Germany, so he knows players like Timo Werner and, um, you know, that sort of philosophy. Maybe he can get the best out of them. Um, there's obviously Julian Nagelsmann that gets mentioned all the time. Um who do you think is ideal? Who, I mean, to come in, <clears throat> say we miss out on top four and, you know, we don't even have Europa, maybe maybe we're just next season playing one one game a week. Who's the ideal person for you to come in and, and fix this team and get them playing good again and, and you know, getting us points on the board? Uh, there's many talented managers right now. I mean, I think the best the best one I could think of it would be you know, Pochettino, who's available. He's the, he's the uh, kind of ideal, not not really ideal, but the obvious one. Yeah, he's an obvious candidate. But I don't... Yeah, I, I think there are there are quite a few managers who could do it. It would just depend on, you know, the um, the system and what, what they want to bring to the club. Yeah. I think that's, that's dependent. I mean, we, we know how... Um, We've heard about how good Frank is at his presentations, you know, to play yeah. what he wants to, um, what he wants to produce at the club yeah. that he, um, that he wants to manage. So it would have to be something along those lines where if they're able to pre- impress the board more than anything, then you know they'll get in. That's that's what it is. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, we've got West Ham next week. It's another must-win game. I think everyone get every game is a must-win when you're, you know, six points off the top especially around the Christmas time, you know, injuries start piling up and the games start piling up. Champions League, we, I think we can do another one on Champions League in, in another episode. But um, yeah, this was interesting. What do you think of the of the West Ham game? Do you think it's going to be another tough test or do you see that going quite easy? How, how do you see it? Hopefully, hopefully, you know, our wingers are back to full yeah. fitness and we can play them and we can play the, the style that we want to. And then I, I think that, when you know, when we were playing, when we were playing the system that we enjoy, we're so good, and I I loved watching it. So I hope hopefully we yeah. can do that, and then we can see, we can be reminded of how good the system actually works mm-hmm. when it does. Okay, brilliant. Okay, well, I mean that was just a little segment on on the Wolves, uh, post Wolves and pre West Ham. Um, nothing really new re- to report, but you know I hope it, it picks up and we get going again. Hopefully Ziyech and the you know the rest are are fit and see us through the New Year games. Um, but yeah, that was that was good, and uh, yeah, we'll do a, maybe a post West Ham or pre West Ham. I don't know. I'm really uninspired at the moment because yeah. of the result on Tuesday. But um... I mean, just just a quick mention that um, the rumors have started again uh, about Declan Rice. Here we go. I'm I'm here for it, man. I hope I, I hope we <laughs> sign him. I really I really like the guy. I think he's top quality leader and great on the pitch. And he was great against Crystal Palace uh, yesterday or the day before, whatever it was. So. Give it to me honestly, you know, with with the with the best team, best eleven, starting eleven that we can play right yeah. now, 
All right. Do you think he would start in that? I team? think he would certainly push Kante. I think he, you know, we have such a long schedule, man. But like, people don't realize how difficult playing at a high level without having a real um, backup player to support uh, people in, in different positions can be. And I think, especially where Kante is playing, and knowing Kante suffered a lot of injuries last season, I think it's extremely important that we get Rice in because I, I don't want the next option to be Billy Gilmore or Jorginho. You know, as, as talented as they are, yeah. this is a physical game that we're playing and, and we're not playing in a system that, you know, where we sit back, we're playing in a system where we have to defend high. And I just think the way Declan Rice plays, he covers ground so quickly like Kante. He's technically very good because he, yeah. he's a good passer. He's long range, short range. He, he surges with the ball forward. So I just think... If something happens to Kante, if he drops form, if he gets injured, we have a ready-made replacement. And I, I just feel for the future as well, if we get Declan Rice in now, he's benefiting us not just for the future, but, you know, obviously now as well. Oh, I, sh I should have done that the other way, but, like, I think he is definitely for the future. So he might not get yeah. more, a lot of game time in the next 12 months, 18 months, but when it comes time to switch over and, you know, Kante has to hand over the baton, I don't think there's anyone better uh, better to to take that baton from him. Honestly, seems to fit that. Seems to uh, be the piece. He's that just, fits he just got Chelsea to the core, you know, in terms of his work rate and energy and just constantly. He's so um, resilient, but he's also so aggressive and and always on the front foot. Always wants to be proactive and make things happen. So, you know, let's let's see how it goes. I, th I think he'll deliver another good performance next week. Hopefully not, but. Um, I can see Declan definitely happen in January, but you know we'll have to wait for that. Okay, yeah. Great, a bit of positive. Yeah, yeah. Bit of positive. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> gonna be great. Oh, gonna be great. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps up right. our Chelsea segment. We've done the Arsenal segment, segment which was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I'll catch you on the next one. See you nice on the next one. one. Nice. Bye. Bye. Thank you.